at the Heritage Foundation, we were saying that, hey, this is the next Huawei. This is the next Trojan horse. This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, March 22nd. I'm Samantha Sherris, and that was Kara Frederick. Kara is the director of the Tech Policy Center here at the Heritage Foundation, where her research focuses on big tech and emerging technology policy. And today, we will be discussing Shoji Chu's appearance before Congress tomorrow. He's the CEO of TikTok. We'll also be discussing the Moms Against TikTok rally also happening on Thursday and much more. We'll get to my conversation with Kara right after this. Looking for quick conservative policy solutions to current issues from America's outpost here in Washington? Sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. You'll get top conservative research, a rundown of important events happening here at Heritage that you can watch online, and hot takes from our experts. Sign up at heritage.org agenda or at the link in the show notes. Joining today's podcast is Kara Frederick. Kara is the director of the Tech Policy Center here at the Heritage Foundation, where her research focuses on big tech and emergency technology policy. Kara, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. So before we discuss the TikTok CEO's testimony on Thursday, I want to take a step back and walk through how we ended up here in the first place. Now, as many of our listeners probably know, uh, you've been one of the leading voices, you know, sounding the alarm over the dangers of TikTok and the national security concerns. So can you take us back to when this conversation around TikTok really began? Yeah, so I think it sort of entered popular consciousness when the CFIUS review was announced um, around 2019. And that's the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, where they're charged with assessing and evaluating the national security concerns surrounding transactions, um, something, uh, and, you know, digital platforms like TikTok. Uh, not, that's not their only remit, but that's the one that's relevant here. And what the Trump administration tried to do the next year in 2020 was issue an executive order effectively banning TikTok uh, and WeChat, another digital application that we can we can or we can't talk about in this conversation. But I think it's understandably drawn the most ire TikTok, that is, uh, because most of the next generation of Americans and the younger generation of Americans use it. And people sort of know, okay, my my kid, my niece, you know, my, my young cousin is using this little video chat app um, and there seems to be some murkiness around it. And then when the, the CFIUS review was announced back in 2019, people were kind of like, all, all, all right, what's the deal with this? Like, it seems harmless, uh, that kind of thing. So that was when um, we, you know, at the Heritage Foundation um, in the Davis Center, they were looking very seriously about uh, the connection to the Chinese Communist Party uh, via its parent company, ByteDance. And um, in uh, other national security circles, we were sort of saying that, hey, this is the next Huawei. This is the next Trojan horse. Um, We know Huawei is a, a Chinese company that sought to build out our next generation wireless networks in America. Um, and the Trump administration rightfully 
basically put a stop to that, um, saying that, hey, there's the idea that backdoors, uh, it could be built into these networks um, to, to get American data that potentially bug doors, which are, you know, programming vulnerabilities that could be you know, purposefully or, or even um, in an, inadvertently turned on and designed um, into these these networks. So I think the concern, um, the hard security concerns were very apparent with something like that. But when you take a cute little dance app uh, and you say, no, there's a legitimate national security, um, there's a legitimate national security interest in, in stopping what's going on here, then people start to say, are you sure? Are you sure you're not just fear-mongering? Um, but, but that's when it sort of broke into the national consciousness. Senator Hawley uh, was in a lot of ways, uh, is a leader um, when it comes to exposing the dangers and, of TikTok and its relationship to the CCP. So he presided over a, a hearing in November 2019 um, uh, discussing how corporations are using your data uh, and exploiting your data. And, and there's a, a China angle to a lot of this as well. So that was a um, Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Crime and Terrorism hearing where the chair for the TikTok representative sat open um, next to a, a heritage um, fellow who was testifying, myself who was testifying, and another member of a think tank testifying as well as a, a Microsoft representative. Um, so that was sort of the first big push. Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio was warning about this as well. Um, and then it kind of faded a little bit. But as it was fading, as the CFIUS review was ongoing, for years, um, TikTok just skyrocketed in popularity. Um, and now, I think uh, because of, of the, the scale of that growth, um, because of its grip on, you know, the American populace and especially the youngest among us, I think that is something um, that people are starting to understand uh, matters uh, in a big way. And it's broken again into the popular consciousness with a lot of these um, legislative efforts put forth by not only, you know, our federal legislators in Congress, but also by uh, states um, who are, you know, one by one banning it on government devices, which is great. Um, a, um, you know, proposal by Josh Hawley passed in the omnibus last year to, to ban it on federal government devices as well. So um, in between that, um, you know, we've gotten a lot of momentum, but in between what where we are today, uh, where we were back then in 2019, um, and in the summer of 2021, um, Joe Biden rescinded Trump's executive order um, that would effectively ban TikTok and WeChat um, and replaced it with some, you know, vague uh, promises to sort of look into the, um, you know, but digital platforms that would pose specific threats if they met specific criteria going forward, which I think is a good idea generally. Um, we have to prep for the next TikTok. I've been saying that since 2019 um, with a risk-based platform that's flexible, um, that, you know, you have to have your, your criteria listed out and then there has to be a rule set that triggers policy action. Um, if if certain criteria are met, but at the same time, I think the TikTok uh, national security threat is so grave, so immediate that TikTok should be banned outright. Um, a wholesale ban on TikTok, uh, not just on government devices, because uh, it's not going to be the solution to not allowing U.S. user data to get in the hands of, of the CCP. And we can talk about those gradations and third parties and whatnot, all we want there. Um, but you have to stop the bleeding. You have to staunch the wound. And that is 
only way to do that is with a wholesale ban of TikTok uh, from operating in the U.S. market, full stop. Now, just before we get any further, I wanted to just give you the chance to explain WeChat. I know you brought it up in your last answer, but just for some of our audience members who might not be aware of, you know, WeChat and sort of those concerns with with WeChat as well. Yeah, so WeChat is a a digital platform that a lot of the Chinese diaspora uses, um, and it's Something that Elon Musk has even discussed in terms of how he sees Twitter growing in the future, Um, it's sort of like the everything app. Um, You can, you know, communicate through direct messages. You can, you know, pay for things on it. You can watch things on it. um, And it's it's an app that encompasses all of those functions, um, like a pocket knife of of a a digital application. And um, it's not just something like TikTok, which is uh, primarily just videos and uh, and a data collection platform, <laughs> frankly. Um, but it's something that a lot of, um, especially uh, people of, you know, Chinese ethnicity uh, here in the U.S. use to to communicate with, um, you know, family members uh, throughout the, the diaspora. Um, so it's a big sort of everything app um, that, you know, payments, videos, entertainment, um, buying, selling, um, e-commerce, et cetera. Yeah. Wow. Well, moving ahead to tomorrow, the CEO of TikTok's testimony before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Now, this is the first time that the CEO will appear before Congress. What do you think it's important to hear from him specifically about? Yeah, so I am not sanguine about hearing the truth. I'm not sanguine about hearing that you know we we will institute proper safeguards against the exploitation of american user data because tiktok executives ad nauseum and representatives have promised us over and over and over again that safeguards are in place uh, that it is not easy for um, engineers say in china working for the parent company ByteDance to access american user data um, that's been proven wrong uh, frankly on you know Jake Tapper's show, a TikTok executive couldn't even admit uh, that there are you know genocidal atrocities being committed in Xinjiang, uh, in uh, in that region in China against the you know the Muslim minority Uyghur people. So I do not I I expect more of the same. Um, so I'm not looking for him to provide assurances, though he will. I'm looking for him to actually make good on those promises. Um, unfortunately, given what we've seen uh, through their conduct, through their data collection practices, through the fact that they have repeatedly said that you know we don't access U.S. Um, user data uh, because that's stored in you know U.S. and Singapore, um, and and that's been you know proven to be not true. Um, I'm I'm not really looking for him to say anything that is um, is going to assure me that. TikTok can be trusted. And thus, I think the ban is the only option. They've been given the opportunity uh, to, to clean up their act and they've uh, made overtures, uh, but they're not those overtures like Project Texas and and whatnot, which gives, you know, third party oversight, um, you know, uh, ideas toward divestment, which, you know, ByteDance said they already wouldn't even give up the source code. They would, you know, retain it in that Beijing headquartered company. It's not enough. It's absolutely not enough. So I'm I'm not really looking for him to come out with any gems. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking for him to to basically um, sit there while the um, House members expose some of these practices mm-hmm. to the American public. 
Yes, and just speaking of that, I, I wanted to give you the opportunity. I asked uh, Keith Crock, he was just on the show on Friday, and I just asked him the same question. I want to get your thoughts on this. I'm curious, if you were a lawmaker in the hearing, given the opportunity to ask the TikTok CEO a question, what would you ask him? Yeah, that's a, a good question. I I would ask them how they plan on addressing their efforts to recruit preteens uh, and the younger and younger generation of Americans. Um, I would ask them him how tied in the CCP is with um, the manipulation of the algorithm and the source code. Uh, you have Director Ray coming out on multiple occasions saying that um, China, China has the ability to control the algorithm, that China uh, has the ability con to control the software on the devices where TikTok is downloaded. I would want more granularity from him on that. Um, I don't think, again, uh, the, these guys are coached. Uh, he's, I'm sure he's been coached for weeks and weeks. Um, again, they equivocate with the best of them. Uh, they, you know, they, they totter the line between truth and falsehood very well. Um, and I don't expect us to get any good answers, but I do expect the uh, members to expose um, some of these practices to Americans that maybe haven't, they've been unaware. Um, and that is something, you know, that is, they're intentionally, uh, TikTok, ByteDance, they intentionally obfuscate um, these connections between um, you know, who's controlling the source code, who's accessing what data, um, how are these internal tools used to potentially access the data. Senator Hawley's letter to Janet Yellen, um, since she, she's, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the top uh, person when it comes to the CFIUS review, was uh, assessing um, through a whistleblower that uh, toggling between U.S. data uh, and and data at ByteDance um, was, uh, you know, headquartered in China, was like flipping a light switch uh, due to a specific internal tool. So we've been assured that there are safeguards that it's very difficult to, you know, there's um, things akin to firewalls that are creating friction between accessing uh, American data and that appears to, to be false, not just through this whistleblower testimony, but that corroborates a lot of what we've heard from Again, BuzzFeed reporting, Forbes reporting, et cetera, et cetera. Now, also on Thursday, the Heritage Foundation is hosting a Moms Against TikTok rally. Uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit more about it and, you know, why it's being held. Yeah. So I think this is the thing that those of us who are used to sort of the national security implications and diving into to that area, we tend to consider the potential mental health harms um, more squishy. Um, and this whole idea of, you know, social contagion is being supercharged by this platform, you know, less relevant to the hard cyber concerns, to the potential um, influence operations that could be tailored directly to these users. But I think it's actually the most important. Um, I think it speaks to, um, you know, what the Federalist Emily Jashinsky says is, you know, the social fabric of our nation and how this is really trying to um, – it, it's really – tearing at that fabric, um, and it's doing it through our young people. Um, and even, you know, the Surgeon General, who is uh, part of the Biden administration, he, I think, sp 
laid this out very clearly. He was speaking generally about social media platforms, but he basically said between kids and the the designers of these social media platforms, it's not a fair fight. You're pitting children up against the best designers in the world, the best programmers, the best engineers in the world, and you're telling them to control themselves um, and exercise some discipline. Or, you know, you're telling parents that they need to be better. And, you know, that is an element. Mm -hmm. But I think you also have to understand the deliberate nature of the targeting um, intrinsic to, you know, the business models of specific platforms, uh, not just TikTok, but TikTok by dance in particular, uh, given the the CCP connections, which we can talk about it, you know, um, one of three board members of ByteDance's domestic, main domestic subsidiary is a card-carrying Chinese uh, official. Um, you have 300 plus LinkedIn profiles uh, of ByteDance uh, professionals saying that they have a relationship to um, Chinese state media, either former or current, um, and over and over again. So, so there's that aspect of it too. And I think it's most clearly articulated in a question that many people have now posed. Um, if you were China, you know, and you wanted to destroy your greatest adversary, America, would you be doing anything different with this platform? Mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't yeah. because it seems to be effectively, you know, pushing gender dissatisfaction, gender dysphoria, uh, eating disorder content, um, suicidal self-harm content. Um, and again, a lot of social media platforms have this problem. But uh, I sort of like to say that the new face of, of teen despair is here and it, it's coming through a Chinese mm-hmm. algorithm. Wow, that was heavy. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. We're it's wearing okay. black, I figured. <laughs> so I also wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that there's been these TikTok influencers in Washington this week, you know, trying to persuade lawmakers not to ban the app. Uh, there's been, as we've been talking about, this bipartisan push to ban the app. Um, now, the Washington Times reports that the TikTok influencers assembling in Washington are people who use the platform for trying to make a living and put food on their tables. That's according to a TikTok spokesperson, uh, Jamal Brown. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's, it makes me sad. You know, it doesn't necessarily just, um, you know, make me laugh. It, It makes me sad because we've seen the effects that TikTok in particular has on American young people. And I understand that everybody wants to put food on the table, but these TikTok influencers aren't doing that. You know, they just want their next designer handbag um, and they're unwilling to take one for the team uh, when it comes to exposing children to not only, you know, the filth on these platforms, but exposing them to exploitation by the CCP. I think most of them probably know what they're doing and push it back to the the corner of their mind and, and, and justify it in some way. But, you know, you can always go to another social media platform, but the Pennsylvania mother whose daughter accidentally killed herself by attempting the blackout challenge, 10-year-old daughter, she's never going to get her daughter back. Never going to get her daughter back. But you could always go to another social media platform and try your hand at making money there and putting, you know, even if it's not the most expensive food on the table, you know, you can, um, you can, again, as I said before, you can take one for the team. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these, um, these effects, I think, are, are, are now becoming concrete. You have 
certain um, outlets in the UK who are running these experiments, registering on the platform as 13-year-olds and and finding the self-harm content that's pushed to them by TikTok's um, insanely successful algorithm is um, much different um, and more effective, I think, than a lot of these other social media platforms. It's why they're trying to copy uh, the algorithm um, thus far unsuccessfully. Um, you know, you find the the suicidal content, um, you know, once um, some Western media outlets, they, um, this is the, the New York Post, actually, um, a woman, a journalist there, created accounts of registering as a 14-year-old, and uh, she found that uh, she got... Uh, self-harm and suicidal content within five minutes, wow. um, depression and mental illness within similar time frames. Uh, the UK outlets registered as 13-year-olds, and they got tens of thousands of weight loss videos within weeks um, and just similar techniques. Uh, 13-year-old registered users got eating disorder content within eight minutes of joining the app. Um, so so this is TikTok. This is effective. And um you know, you want to talk about the impact of mm-hmm. uh, these influencers saying, you know, they, they said this is going to have, you know, real world impacts on us. Yeah, it's already having real world impacts mm-hmm. and they aren't good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kara, just before we go, I wanted to give you the opportunity to share any final thoughts. Yeah. So I think um, because it requires explanation, I think most Americans don't understand the threat. So the easiest way to explain it is to say that TikTok, by virtue of its parent company, ByteDance, which is headquartered in Beijing, is subject to the laws and policies that govern these platforms. And they are governed by the Chinese Communist Party. And the easiest one to talk about is the 2017 National Intelligence Law, which compels any private entity to cooperate with state intelligence work. So we say... ByteDance is going to turn over data or provide access to the Chinese Communist Party if they ask for it. Now, TikTok says we will never do that if Mm -hmm. Beijing asks. They can do it through ByteDance. And we know that ByteDance, again, has, um, because of their domestic subsidiary, one of at least one of the three board members is a card-carrying member of uh, the Chinese government. And um, they're, again, um, seeding these companies with uh, not just individuals, but with with strategy. They have internal committees that deliberate over some of the workings of the platforms. Um, The Trump Justice Department came out with a memo that explained that. Um, You know, we know that the CCP is intimately involved with ByteDance, ByteDance on TikTok. It'd be like saying um, if, you know, Alphabet, which is the parent company to Google, you know, we are so separate from them. But you know that they're Mm -hmm. they're working um, hand in glove. They've proven that they're working hand in glove. Leaked master messaging PR documents even indicate that they want to downplay the relationship between China and TikTok, the relationship between ByteDance and TikTok. Um, and the relationship between artificial intelligence and TikTok, which is a conversation for another day. But equip yourselves properly, America, and get yourselves off TikTok. Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much. Of course. Thanks for having me, Sam. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to my interview with Kara Frederick. If you haven't gotten a chance, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. 
We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful day. And we'll be back with you all this afternoon for top news. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.